0: Hello and welcome, fellow travelers. I'm your host, Chris Abernathy. Last week, we talked about how materialism and achievement, purely for the sake of achievement, both lead to inauthenticity. And the week prior, we talked about what authenticity was and what it kind of looks like for the Christian. So today, we're going to talk about how exactly we can live an authentic life. Just a hint, it all relies on Jesus. I want to invite you on this journey with me, one of hope, encouragement, and discovery, seeking the way. Our desire and ability to lead authentic, Jesus following lives has profound implications. Fred Markert, a missiologist who studied historical patterns, is concerned about the moral degradation of our country, noting that we have, in his opinion, five years. To turn the direction of our country around. He believes that Christians need to stand up for biblical values and lead our country back to a God-fearing one. He also believes that this is doable if we Christians lead the biblical lives that we're called to. And this highlights only one reason why we should desire to lead our most authentic lives, because in doing so, we'll be leading God-fearing lives. So through episode one and two, we've talked about how finding our most authentic selves, the best version of ourselves, there's a lot outside of our control to be able to do that. You know, we don't plan to meet certain people. We don't plan for bad things to happen. So what exactly can we do to live our most authentic, God-fearing lives? And the principle that I found that best guides that is this idea of living a selfless life focused on others. And of course, this is nothing new to Jesus, this is exactly what he calls us to do. But I wonder if sometimes when we read these things in the Bible, it registers and it's like, oh, that's a really good idea. But we don't consider the implications of these things. So if we live a life focused on other people, well, first of all, that's exactly who God made us to be. He made us to focus on other people. But if we do that, it also results in the greatest amount of contentment, which in my idea is better than happiness because happiness can be fleeting, to be content in your circumstances requires an ability to just kind of persevere over the long haul, but it results in the greatest amount of contentment far more than if we'd lived our lives exactly how we wanted to. And then of course, if Fred Markert is correct, then us living selfless lives focused on other people can have profound implications around our community, our town, our country, and even our world. So let's go back to the two things that we talked about last week, materialism and achievement. Wealth is not inherently bad. It's not a bad thing to have accumulated wealth throughout your life, but what is bad is just like the hoarding of it, just so that you can have more money. But if we find ourselves in a situation where we have acquired wealth and we apply this principle of focusing on other people, well, then the end result is generosity. If we have an abundant amount of wealth, We can give it away freely and help other people in dire situations. And the same goes for achievement. If we want to achieve purely for ourselves, for a legacy, well, that's not going to lead to an authentic, content life. However, if we have a desire to achieve that's focused on a greater goal in mind, well, that's exactly what Jesus calls us to do. So back in episode one, I asked, this question, how often do we plan things in our lives that lead us to find our most authentic selves? And the answer is almost never. And this is true when it comes to even self-discovery. Now, some people may intentionally go out, take a trip to get away from everything, allow themselves to think, but almost never do we intentionally plan things that lead us to self-discovery. And this is where relationships come in. The definition of authenticity that we provided focuses on relationships. And relationships with people are the most important things in our lives. Again, somebody who dies, they're not going to regret not working enough, but they most certainly will regret not reconciling with a child that they have fallen away from. Now, I came across this study that reinforces this. It's the longest study that's ever been conducted. And what this study did was it followed a group of men from birth and some all the way until death. And they conducted interviews with these individuals all throughout their lives. And the conclusion that Robert Waldinger found, and he's the fourth director of this study, is that good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. Now, if that's the case, then it stands to reason that if we live a life focused on other people, we are going to establish some really good, happy relationships. And the more focused on other people we are, well, arguably, the more relationships we'll establish and the more content we'll be with our lives. If there were to be a formula to this, within this context specifically, it would be relationships plus sacrificial living equals godly lives. Now for anyone out there who doesn't like math like me, don't worry, that will probably be the extent of it on this podcast. But here's the twist. In the Western world, we are extremely focused on the individual. Our entire government is founded on the idea of individual rights. And this is a good foundation for a government system, but the question is does it, does it engender itself to a good foundation for society? Because it certainly starts off altruistically enough. We want the individual to have their rights, but then, over time, that starts to change. It's no longer the individual the other, it's the individual ourselves. Well, we want our rights, and of course we do. We, like. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but it's the mindset shift that is the concern. You see, God makes it clear in the Old Testament, he didn't choose an individual, he chose a group of people. And then in Christ, he chose everybody, not one specific person. Romans 8.5 says that those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. And this gives us the idea that whatever our mind is set on, that's what we're going to produce. So if we focus on our own selfish desires, well, we're going to produce that. And again, some people may be like, well, that's exactly what I want. But I would argue that that's not going to lead to contentment in life. But if we focus on others, on helping, on loving, on lifting up and building others, that's what we're going to produce and that's where this like individualistic versus group mentality comes into play when we lift up other people around us when we build them when we support them we are helping to build a solid structure upon which other things can be built a society can be built we're called to be a holy people one body in christ but one thing that i've noticed and again in our Western society, and I say that because that's the primary exposure that I have, is that we Christians have a hard time even loving each other. There are so many denominations within Christianity, and you can find them just attacking each other over the minor things, whether you're pre-trib or post-trib, whether you're a Calvinist or an Armenian. Now, if you don't know what these things are, that's okay. It's not really important. The point is that if we can't love our brothers and sisters in Christ, how are we going to love other people? We have to come together as one body of Christ. Grace and love to each other. And that's not to say that we're going to be perfect, but we have to try. Now, one Bible verse, or not a Bible verse, one story that I came across in the Bible that really convicted me on this point is found in Mark 9, 38-41. And John comes to Jesus and says, Teacher, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we told him to stop, because he was not one of us. So the disciples find this individual that's preaching in Jesus' name, and they say, no, you're not one of us. Stop it. You can't do that. But Jesus says, do not stop him. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. And when I read this, I was, I was like, wow, that's incredible. You see, I'm passionate about apologetics, and I'm passionate about the truth. I think the truth is very important. And so when I started studying apologetics, I had the mindset of, oh man, I'm going to prove everybody wrong about what they're thinking, and I'm going to show them the right way. I'm going to show them the truth. But that's not the way to do it. We can share truth, but in love and grace. Jesus tells us right here that those who are not against us are for us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it doesn't matter what denomination you ascribe to. If we can't get this right, if we can't love each other, the people who are for us, then how are we going to be able to love everybody else? First 1 Samuel 15.22 says, But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. I think sometimes we have a tendency to normalize some behaviors. And we say, oh, it's okay. Jesus will forgive me. And that is true. Jesus, if we come to him with a truly repentant heart, he will forgive us. But part of being a Christ follower is to die to yourself daily and follow in his footsteps. And here we see that obedience is better than sacrifice. Submission is better than offering the fat of rams. And what Samuel means by this is that to listen to Christ and do what he says initially is better than asking for forgiveness. Every single one of us is chosen by God. And we all have a role to play. We are all important. We can't lose sight of that. Every single person has a role to play. And as such we as Christians should be building each other up, should be cheering each other on, should be supporting each other, and not just each other, but we should be loving Everybody else. Now, I wish that I had some practical ideas to give you about how to do this. But the problem is, I don't know your circumstances and I don't know your environment. But if you've been listening from episode one of this series, you know that we have to examine our lives. We have to take a look at our own life and see where we may be focused on materialism and achievement over. People. The Bible says to give of yourself, whether that's monetarily or of your time, which we consider to be the two most important commodities on earth, but that's what it means to be focused on others, to sacrificially give of yourself. In so doing, you will find your most authentic version of yourself, the one that's walking in the purpose that Christ has given you and has given us. In John chapter 17, verses 13 through 14, Jesus is praying to God for his disciples, and he says, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. Now, this isn't going to be easy. It's inherently countercultural, but that's because it's not of this world. But, as Jesus says, neither are we. Thank you so much for joining me, travelers. Now, next week we'll begin a new series on tackling the greatest objections to Christianity. I look forward to continuing this journey with you next week. God bless.